0: 35 years ago for my 14th birthday my parents bought me a tape deck not just any old tape deck it was a tape to tape deck it had high speed dubbing which was state of the art it had Dolby switches and it became for me a tool to connect with my friends you know on that tape deck I would high speed dub all of my brother's tapes he was at high school at college at the time. So he was accessing new types of music. This was the mid to late 80s. He was accessing indie and new wave and all those kind of new fantastic groups that were coming out at the time, very much experimental in formats, very much not getting mainstream publicity. But, you know, making their way to us through tapes because this allowed a cheap medium for the Music owners to reach mass market. So, if you were to hang out at the bike sheds as I did at college in my teens, that you would have centered a lot of your conversation around music and the trade in tapes. These tapes were effectively pirates. People copied albums and they shared them with mates. That's how it worked. Or you taped them straight off the radio so you stayed up until one in the morning to listen to John Peel the Smiths and then you would tape that come in next morning and share it with friends because you know they didn't stay up late or they weren't allowed to stay up late with friends that then got circulated around your peer groups so the latest John Peel Smith session got circulated that then filtered out to wider groups you know people taped the tapes And then you had these derivatives and these were all analog tapes. So therefore what was the original recording got dubbed like 10 times generations down until the recording quality was really bad. And you had the cutoffs and the clunks and the, all that kind of nonsense that got sort of inherited in the DNA of the audio because it wasn't digital back then. And you could also become the mixtape guy. You could create mixtapes for friends. And often when you, made friends with people at a college one of the first things you did was mix a tape for them and give it to them which was really like uh, you know this is the kind of music i'm into check it out and you would give it to a friend and they would listen to it so i don't like those ones but i really like these ones and that was a way for you to connect tapes became for my generation an important tool for connection Tapes weren't the connection. It was the audio that connected us and tapes were the tool, the platform for that. So interestingly, I read an article this week in Scroll In, which I'll share in a minute, that has talked about the revival of audio cassette tapes and their sales, believe it or not, of audio cassettes doubled during the pandemic. The fact that there are sales of audio cassette tapes, for me, just blows my mind. You know, I haven't heard an audio cassette tape for 30 years. They died out. I mean, audio cassettes were around for a long time, even when we had CDs. But what happened was, is people stopped making tape players. And so, firstly, you didn't have tape players anymore. You started playing music off your computer, CDs, CDs. And then they stopped putting tape players in cars in the 90s, the late 90s. So you didn't have anywhere to play tapes. I don't even know how you play a a tape now. You would have to buy some old-fashioned cassette tape player. And God forbid if it's still working. That must be like a collectible item now. Which is, I guess, one of the reasons why audio cassettes are enjoying a resurgence. Just like vinyl. Because to own a cassette player and to own cassettes is now a talking point. Just like it was back in 1986 when I was 14 years old as a kid. Cassettes became a talking point between me and my friends. You know, did you like the Smiths or not? Did you like the Cure or not? Did you like the Jesus and Mary chain? Were you into grunge? All these kind of conversations that mattered back then, as every generation has. You know, the cassette tape was invented in 1963 by a Dutch engineer called Lou Ottens, who actually died last month. Amazingly that, you know, we didn't hear anything really about it. But think about how much that engineer had really impacted our lives. And in 1989, when I was 17, 16, 17, the cassette tape was at its height. It was shifting 83 million units a year in the UK alone. 83 million sales. You know, I remember the -the state-of-the-art cassette tapes. Companies like TDK. You know, what happened to these companies? TDK made 180 tapes. Now, a 180 tape was a three-hour tape. Increasingly, it became important to have longer tapes. So I think... Tapes in the original days were like 45 minutes, 60 minutes long. And they became longer and longer. Because the longer the cassette tape was, the more expensive it was. So, you know, you could buy a 180 tape for like 10 pounds, which is like, I don't know, 15 bucks. And that was a big deal. But the problem is, as the tape got longer and longer, the issue was is that it became more and more unstable. So these 180 tapes got caught up. And the amount of times you'd have to pull out a cassette tape and with your big biro You would have to fix this thing and even like manually glue this thing back together. That was, you know, if you were a kid that grew up in the 80s, you knew how to fix a cassette tape when it got snarled up in your machine. Everybody knew how to do that. That was the the rites of passage, just like everybody knows this generation, how to take a selfie. Like everybody in the 80s knew how to fix an audio cassette tape. And they became a core part Of our identity and our connection Um, interestingly the fact that they're enjoying a resurgence is partly due to that and looking at the numbers I mean they've gone from 83 million to zero but like last year cassette tapes sold 150,000 units uh, which was the highest figure since they really dropped off in the early 2000s and almost a hundred percent increase in the last 10 years it's phenomenal really And you think about that, that, okay, if I go around your house and you've got cassette tapes, if the first thing people are going to say is like, wow, I didn't even know those were a thing. That's pretty cool, right? It's like vinyl. If you're a vinyl collector, it says something about you. And, you know, that's a statement, right? And if you've got a cassette player, it's kind of cool. You know, I I talked about it with my 15-year-old son. And he said, that's kind of cool. That's his words. You know, and they're not completely dismissive of it. Like, oh, wow, that's like weird old, old granddad's music, right? Um, but they're just curious. Like, wow, I didn't even know these things existed, right? And just to look at them and that's kind of cool. It's a talking point, right? It connects people about conversations. And a lot of our music and audio is a series of rituals around music and audio. It's uh complex. And it's been around for thousands of years, you know, when we were banging rocks that that became a rhythm, you know, and those rhythms haven't changed. If you go to uh, listen to the origin of blues, which was the origin of rock and roll, you go to places like Mali and the West Coast of Africa and you listen to the chords and the rhythms that these West African players whose culture and the music is hundreds of years old. We're not talking about that 50s rock and roll. This is hundreds of years old. You know, it's connected to slavery and connected to the culture of West Africa. The rhythms, those Mali, I don't know if it's like, those mu- that music from Mali is, is very similar to the early blues. And you can hear those kind of rock and roll rhythms in there. I mean, you know, they don't have electric guitars, but the chords and the sequences are the same. And it's carried with us for hundreds of years. In this scrolling article about cassettes, there was a quote from a fan who said why he liked buying cassettes. And he said, I just like having things. They're all kind of becoming a bit defunct now, but I like having something and that's my hobby. Music is my hobby and that's how I spend my money. You know, when we think about audio, we have to think about the rituals that exist around audio, that audio itself is a tool for expression and connection in many different ways, whether it's this podcast or whether it's listening to true crime or whether it's talking about music with your friends or connecting through Clubhouse. We have to see all of this through the lens of connection and ritual then we really understand it, that really what's happening is not the invention of new technologies and with them new behaviors, but old behaviors reincarnated through new technologies. They said digital would kill music and look how wrong they were. If anything, it killed the music industry. But music is alive and well, my friends, and audio too. Audio is in rude health. And the reason is, is because audio is such a fundamental part of our connection with other people. You look at the etymology of the word audio. I've shared this with before. If you see my post on LinkedIn, audio, authentic, authority, audience, all share the same etymological root from ancient Greek, which literally means to perceive, to feel. So what may be a, an outdated, antiquated way of connecting with people, which was the sharing of mixtapes, is no different from what we do today, whether that is going on Clubhouse or sharing podcasts, listening to the conversations. These are talking points. They may not be conversations we actually are actively taking part of, but we're a part of them, and that is the ritual that makes us feel somehow that we belong.